Hey, my name is Ryan Fisher. I work in the egg industry. And uh, today we're talking about food plots and all things land management. And you're listening to the Shields Outdoor Podcast. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and today we have with us one of my main hunting buddies, agronomist by day, whitetail nut by night, uh, Ryan Fisher. Ryan, how you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, not too shabby. So still awful cold here, still a ton of snow in, in good old Fargo, North Dakota, but uh, definitely time to start thinking about whitetail, thinking about shed hunting, and thinking about some land management and food plots. So um, what uh, what do you have on the agenda this year for food plots for you? Well, uh, lots of different things, uh, trying some different things, you know, looking back at last year and what I did, uh, and, you know, always trying to tweak and improve, uh, whether that's from, uh, layouts where you plant what, and, and then also, you know, entry and exit and all those things. So yeah, it all goes into the, the grand scheme of what you do. And of course, last year, mother nature always throws curveballs at you. So uh, with all the wet weather we had in the spring, uh, plan A turned into plan B, then plan B can kind of turn into plan C. So you just, uh, you never know how it's all going to work out, but yeah, kind of, kind of starting, uh, starting from scratch here on a, on a few things. So nice. Yeah. That is one thing with food plots is, uh, you're kind of at the mercy of mother nature. You need to definitely have a backup plan just in case, you know, something goes south, either you get too much rain or not enough rain or all those things. So, uh, you know, I, I think most people listening to this are pretty familiar with food plots, but um, can you just touch on maybe some of the benefits, some of the benefits you've seen personally and will would help people with their uh, with their land management and deer hunting success? Yeah, I mean, if you look at food plots in general, like you say, I mean, anybody who watches outdoor television, uh, most, most people hunting whitetails are probably hunting over a food plot or close to one. Um, obviously, uh, from a general habitat stance, uh, food plots can, can greatly increase, you know, your carrying capacity of your, of your property, uh, hold more deer, try, hold them where you want them. Um, try, you know, somewhat, I mean, they're wild animals. It's pretty tough to manipulate movement, but I tell you what, if you've got the hot food source in the neighborhood, you've got a pretty good chance that you've got quite a few deer visiting it. So, uh, you know, and then you got to look at the overall health benefits, uh, I, I don't do a lot of other hobbies. I mean, deer hunting is, is my main hobby. So, uh, you know, I like to try feed deer year round. That's, that's pretty tough to do in Northwest Minnesota. And, and, uh, but it takes, it takes quite a few food plots and quite a few acres. So that's a challenge for me personally to just have enough food for the deer, just not, you know, for a couple of weeks during hunting season or a couple of months, but it's trying to feed more year round and obviously grow bigger and, and uh and better bucks and yeah it it all goes into the uh complicated web of whitetail honey 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it, it really comes down to your limiting factors, you know, having food, water and cover, you know, you need those three things for a, for a deer or any animal to survive. And, you know, if you've got plenty of cover, if you got food, you know, water or water is going to be your limiting factor. If you, you know, you got water around, you got a bunch of cover, food's going to be your limiting factor. So, yeah, I think, you know, we'll focus mostly on the food side of things here. But um, so you got your two main types of food plots, your, you know, your spring or early summer plots you put in and then your fall plots. Um, which one do you like most and why? Ooh, that's a tough question. That's that one's, uh, you know, every, everything's got, got pros and cons. I suppose it's tough to pick one that's, that's perfect. And I think it, it, it does depend upon the person, uh, how, how much time do you have? How much money do you want to, to wrap into these things? And, and also, uh, you know, what kind of equipment do you have? What kind of access do you have to where your food plots are at? Um, you know, I'm fortunate that uh, most of most of where I hunt, I have access to large egg equipment. So equipment's not really my limiting factor um, for the most part. So, you know, I can get in there and I can till things and I can plant things and do stuff like that where uh, somebody else, it might, it might do that. But I mean, I think a lot of people bypass like some of the simple stuff. I'm, I think you need a blend. I don't think... You know, you just don't want all soybeans, although soybeans are, are, are great food plot or just all corn. Uh, I think you want some clovers. I think you do want to do some uh, some fall plots, those brassicas at times. And I experienced this last year, uh, brassica plots in, in mid-October when a lot of that vegetation is starting to senesce. A lot of the neighboring crop fields are dying and, and you know, soybeans are starting to come off. I had the green food source and uh, and it was the it was the hot place to be type thing. So. Uh, um, it's hard to pick just one. So you got to kind of look at what are your goals when you have time to hunt and, uh, and kind of align that with, uh, with having a, a good blend of a few different options. If, if you're blessed with a couple different plots, or you maybe want to split one in half, maybe all soybeans isn't the best idea. Maybe, you know, split that in half and have a variety for your deer. Mm -hmm, absolutely. You know, I think a good way to think about it is to, uh, you know, have some variety out there and have the best food source at the time where you want to be hunting or targeting your animal. You know, if you if you want to hunt right away in the beginning part of the season, maybe clover is your best bet. If you want to hunt in December and January, you know, maybe it's corn or brassicas, depending on how much acreage you have. So. I'd say, you know, the best answer to that is really depends on the person. It does. It does. And, and it goes back to, um, none of these things are really cheap to do necessarily. So, um, you know, you can get quite a bit of money wrapped into corn and, and some of these other food plots that require a lot of fertilizer. Um, that's not very cheap, but at the same time, you know, I would say if you asked me, well, what's the best late season food plot I could sit over if I'm, you know, sitting near Christmas or in December, well, corn would be towards the top of my list. So like you said, it really depends upon when do you want to hunt um, and, uh, and, you know, really what are your goals and what's your strategy? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, you know, keep the deer density in mind, keep the area you're at in mind. Um, and, you know, good things can happen with your food plots. So what are, uh, what are a couple often overlooked things for people that are trying to get into the food plot game and don't realize they're actually important with food plots? 
That's a that's a great question. Um, I would, if you're new to it or you're looking to establish new food plots on your property that may not or uh, be there already, um, I think the first question you need to ask yourself before, well, what am I going to plant there or or anything like that, um, I would first start with access and and uh, exit strategies. Um, you know, you and I have talked about this at great length, just with properties and and uh, and things like that, and strategies of how to get in and out of there. Um, you know, a, a wrong place food plot might might be you know you might be better off not having a food plot versus uh, having a, a you know an ill placed one. Um, you could burn out a spot pretty fast if uh, if the deer know they're they're being hunted. So um, think about that and and you know what what strategies it takes to to get in and out of there uh, successfully. Keep those deer from patterning you instead of you patterning them. Uh, that's a huge component that I think is often overlooked. A lot of people think, well, I'm just I'm just not going to hunt it that often. But yeah, when I get out, I'm just going to have to blow them off the field. You only do that once or twice and, and the gig is up. So uh, you just don't get a free pass on that. So if you're after a big buck, he just, he can never know you're being, or he's being hunted. If, uh, if you expect to, you know, you better get him right away if you're going to take that strategy, I guess. So. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and I agree a hundred percent entry and exit routes are just crucial when it comes to food plot development. You know, you might think about like, okay, I've got a, I've got a field that I enter in and then I go through the woods a little ways and usually sit a little closer to their bedding area. You know, if you put a food plot in the middle there, you know, you're going to get deer moving and and then while you're getting out, you're going to be bumping them off all the time. And then all of a sudden that, you know, that makes your entire property more difficult to hunt. So it's just, it's something that is very crucial to keep in mind. Yeah. I've talked to people that, you know, put a food plot maybe not thinking, well, oh, you know, it's not going to affect how I get there. Well, maybe from that food plot, they see where you park. They see your pickup. They see you turn the headlights off a half mile away. Well, if you're going to consolidate them, don't consolidate them where it's going to give you issues getting in. Even though they may not watch you walk to the tree stand, they saw you park. You know, that's not a normal thing that happens every day. So they get pretty quick and pretty wary of, of stuff like that. So, Thinking big picture, thinking how to get in and out is is uh, is critical, and then uh, yeah, from there, you know, another other topic, you know, besides exit, you know, I roll on to what's often overlooked, and in some areas of the country, maybe not as critical, but but you know, me coming from the agri- agricultural industry, soil samples are a big part of what farmers do every you know every year. Uh, you know, nobody wants to waste money or buy the wrong kind of fertilizer or, or lime or other inputs. Um, so really understanding what kind of soil you're working with. Um, there's a lot of resources online and look at YouTube. You find pretty much answers to everything now on YouTube, right? Um, there's a lot of good people uh, with good, good, uh, good content on how to take a soil sample properly and yeah, it's probably going to cost you 50, 60, 80 bucks, whatever you want, whatever you choose there. I'm sure there's, you know, wherever you're from, there's probably a, a local egg co-op you could go get a soil probe from and uh, just go do it the right way. And I'm not saying you need to do it every year. Just just do it once, you know, every so often. Just understand what you're working with and uh, what, what kind of stuff you want to plant. It's going to give you a pretty good recommendation of, uh, you know, 
why spend money on fertilizer you don't need or or maybe you need you know lime or something like that because uh, if you're going to put money into it and time and 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 invest in something you obviously want it to turn out good um so just skipping that step can sometimes be uh, a critical mistake in how the outcome looks mm-hmm, absolutely you know soil samples is one of the easiest things to overlook and bypass when you're doing food plots but you know when you think about it like if you spend all of this time clearing the area for the food plot tilling it up you know getting getting the ground where it needs to go then buying the seed taking the effort to put it in and then all you know all the time it takes it to grow and it, it, you skip that step of doing the soil sample and realize like you need extra lime to actually make it grow at a decent rate you know it's it can be something that's very killer and just wreck a lot of time and money and effort well and and i'll use myself as an example there me coming from getting a degree you know in agriculture from college um going into the egg industry and, and working with farmers every day and uh and and i'm not even i mean i can blame myself for that example i'm thinking of myself um so no one feel bad about not doing that in the past um my quick story is uh i have a property that i hunt that's fairly far east in minnesota so kind of out of the valley into you know more of the forest area um soil is fairly light or very light very sandy a little bit of peat in areas and uh for years i just you know i planted food plots and like you said it's the easy thing to bypass um it's i skipped that step and finally after a couple of years of just not having a lot of success with food plots struggling um thinking i know how to do it um i took a soil sample and i was educated uh it was much <laughs> different than anything that i had ever dealt with in the red river valley or even you know where i grew up that's kind of on the edge of the valley phs were way different um was surprised how low the ph of the soils were and uh how much potassium i needed was out of this world um i had never seen uh potassium levels so low on some soil so um i took a step back and was like whoa okay i now know i'm more educated on what i needed going forward is it perfect today no but I am being more successful in that regard. I'm investing money into what I actually need instead of what I thought I needed before. So yeah, there's my two minute story of even even my failure and how I learned quickly soil sample, simple, easy, and, uh, and uh, I'm in a better spot now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it happens to the best of us. You could have been planting food plots and doing this stuff for decades and one simple slip up and then all of a sudden your food plots are not showing up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. So, so, um, I'd like to get a couple of recommendations for you here. Let's just kind of break it down by food plot size. So what are your, what okay. sort of plots would you like to put in if it's less than a quarter and then one for like a quarter to a half and then larger plots? Okay, that's a good way to look at it. I like that. Um, so when I'm talking small micro plots, you know, under half acre, quarter acre, eighth acre in size, a lot of times those plots get overlooked. Like, uh, you know, how successful could they be? Um, and in the right positions or spots, you know, you might hear people call them kill plots. Um, I really like, you know, I think of those small spots and I think of, okay, they're in cover. 
deer can feed on them any time of the day, likely, if they're very small, things like that. You might call them staging area plots. Um, you're going to want something that's got some regrowth and some fairly uh, resistant to browse pressure. So, I mean, like the first thing that jumps out at me, clovers, because clovers are fairly shade tolerant. Uh, you know, it might be droughty, it might be wet, whatever. Well, clover's fairly tolerant to both if you get a nice, like if you're looking in store, if you're going to Shields and you're looking at, well, what do they have for food plot mixes? Look for something that's got a couple different varieties of clover. Uh, might be white clover, ladino, uh, elsike, you know, just different options in there. That way they're a little bit more rounded by variety and some handle wet, some handle dry better. So there's a tip there. Um, and yeah, a lot of those small plots you can frost seed uh, in the spring. So in the, hopefully in the next month, uh, winter loosens her grip and I'm going to be out frost seeding and and uh, it's a good time to do that, to get outdoors and, and start the process. So uh brassicas can work in those situations it's just the browse pressure thing comes back at me as you know brassicas will regrow but clover there's there's really isn't anything that's gonna you think clover is not very tall how can it maximize you know tonnage there's nothing that's really gonna maximize per acre you know available palatable tonnage you know like clover can they can chew it down to the nub down to the black dirt and it's going to come back really fast with some moisture so i mean that would be my recommendations on the smaller side uh just to stick to the clovers you could maybe do brassicas but um yeah you might run into some issues with browse pressure there there may never form turnips or radishes if uh if you don't let that vegetative growth you know uh mature a little bit before it'll it'll form that taproot mm -hmm, absolutely and you know my personal pick for them small plots is, you know, I'll just, I'll actually start it at like the beginning. Like I'm establishing a small plot, one of these like micro kill plots in a staging area. Like I know they're coming out to a bigger field and they're in their bedding. And I want to put this plot in an area that's right in between the two. My thought is I want to, I want to get at this deer before it's going out into the big field at dark where I can't shoot him. I want him to stop in the sure. staging area. You know, I love to create these plots in the summer, the spring and the summer, you know, like everything's dead and has not grown yet. Then it's easy to take the chainsaw and hack everything out and clean it up, spray it real good. And I like to establish that plot in the early fall and I'll, I'll do like a, a brassica and clover mix where it's both coming up that first year. And then you've got, you've got both of them the first year and then year two, you got that clover there and then you can come back that next early spring and frost seed it. And then you got a really great clover plot. I think that's a, that's a super good option. And then you can just kind of weigh, Oh, do I want to keep clover? Or do I want to, you know, till it up and keep doing brassicas, you know, depending on where you want to hunt in the year and when you want it to be the For most sure. effective. And you look at it from a total, you know, land management side, um, I like those small kill plots also because it's not just for the deer. I mean, if you if you've got rough grouse on your property, those are going to be hot spots. They're going to go out do well there. You're a far better turkey hunter than me, um, but I think turkeys would probably enjoy little little plots like that too. So I mean, like it it just doesn't benefit the deer, um, and they're they're pretty easy to maintain. I mean, you get those quarter to half acre food plots, even if you I mean you can establish those with a chainsaw, like you said. 
get the debris off with a rake or whatever it may be. You get it to clear it off. And then from there, it's really just maintenance of mowing. So with clover, uh, you might have to mow it once or twice a summer to just, you know, get the blooms off and get new fresh vegetation going. But that's a pretty low management food plot in the, you know, the whole realm of your options of what to plant. And uh, like you said, those kill plots, it's tough to get a big buck to step out before dark uh, in the early season out into a larger egg feed field or, or a larger food plot. Um, that might be the tickets on getting them to step out, you know, uh, just in time to, to get an arrow in them or whatever it may be. So, Yep, absolutely. And they are killer places to put mock scrapes and trail cameras. I mean, you got yourself one of them little staging plots, you know, put a, put a mock scrape on there and run a camera and you're going to get a good idea of what deer are using it. Cause I mean, they're going to go, they're going to roam and check those areas. I mean, it's, it's pretty effective. Yep. Totally agree. Totally mm-hmm. agree. Yep. So how about so that, how about that mid-sized like the, food plot for big, you? Yeah. Once we get into like acre, two acre, you know, potentially up to three acre food plots, it's getting, pretty large i don't really have any much larger than three acres myself um you can start looking at some different options now um it really takes if you have moderate deer density or population i should say um soybeans it's really going to take more than an acre i think for it to be really effective um if it's in a convenient place for deer to feed throughout the summer uh early fall i mean you just get just get uh plots can get smoked pretty fast i mean soybeans are awesome because they love they love them in the vet they love soybeans from the day they come out of the ground all the way until they eat the last pod so i mean soybeans are awesome high in protein uh highly digestible uh deer love them um but that's also a problem because they're going to eat them so if you don't have enough acres of them and you don't really match your deer population density um you might not have a food plot come. Uh, I've had it several times where, you know, I think I got this great food plot coming and here comes rifle season in Minnesota. So first week in November, it picked me pretty much clean. That's kind of frustrating because you put a lot of work, a lot of time into some of these things. And uh, um, then all of a sudden, what you think you have, you don't when it comes to deer season. Mm-hmm. So, um, keeping that in mind, you're going to need a few acres of soybeans if you want them to last into the hunting season a little ways. Uh, otherwise, you, you just might run out of food if, if your deer density is high enough. Yep, absolutely. That is one of the most frustrating things is you plant like a one-acre bean field and it's coming up in the spring and early summer and it looks just pristine. You know, like waist yeah. height and just pods everywhere and then all of a sudden like late october rolls around and you got like 20 deer in it every night and then by the time you really want to hunt it it's gone (laughs) yep yeah the neighboring fields likely if well from where we're from a lot of the soybeans come out in late september early october as far as you know farmers go um so all of a sudden you know, what you thought you had, you maybe only have five deer a night in your bean plot. It looks all right through September. And all of a sudden, the second week October comes, your neighbors combined all their fields, maybe turned them black or whatever happens. Now you might have 30 deer a night in that plot. And well, they're there all night long. So it's like, yeah, well, they, they can eat a lot of beans in a hurry. So 
But, you know, one benefit to soybeans, too, is you don't need a lot of equipment. I mean, you're probably going to need to turn the soil black and till it because uh, beans need to be planted. You know, like to get them an inch deeper. So, uh, but, uh, Mike, I mean, you can speak from experience. I know you guys have used, like, just broadcast them. Uh, look at your, you know, what population you want and what the weight is on the bag. And you can come up with a pretty good seed rack for your area. Um, so, unlike corn, you know, you, you don't need a, you don't have to have a planter or whatever to, to put beans in. Um, and then there's lots of different herbicide options for beans. I mean, there's there's uh, Roundup, obviously. There's Liberty beans and, and stuff like that. Uh, uh, there, there's some different herbicide traits that you can look at. I guess that's one watch out, too. Uh, make sure you understand what what herbicide platform the soybeans you're, you're buying or purchasing are. So, you know, spray them with the wrong herbicide. But, yeah, net net of that is there's different herbicide options to control weeds. Yeah, absolutely. And and I am definitely a big advocate for soybeans, you know, just, uh, you know, from an establishment standpoint, being able to just throw a roundup on there and then kill all the weeds and be able to get that food plot going. That's, that's a huge bonus. Um, like you said, you know, it's, it's good to put it in with a planter if you have access to one, but if you don't, it's absolutely. really not that big of a deal. You know, like normally you'll put like you know, a bag down an acre or what, whatever rate, basically you pretty much just have to come close to doubling the normal rate you would do if you put a planter in and just assume that some of that's not going to get the proper seed depth. Um, just, you know, you know, hit it with a, hit it with a rake a bunch of times and, and try and get as much of that seed, you know, covered as you can. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I've, we've put in some really, really great food plots with, without really a lot of equipment in for soybeans yes i mean like for your setup you basically got a a small utility tractor with a tiller and a a four-wheeler with a with a five foot harrow basically and um you can plant a pretty nice bean plot that way so it doesn't take doesn't take a ton of of equipment to get it done so Mm -hmm, um the other big one obviously corn so we'll, we'll address corn and uh, I may sound overly negative on corn. I don't want that to, ter- de- to deter anyone, but maybe I'm just jealous of everyone who can plant corn as a food plot and let it turn out. So um, I'm coming from a little bit of a different perspective in northwest Minnesota, but uh, like soybeans, you're going to need some acres for corn. You know, I really, really would suggest more than a half an acre, that acre to two, possibly even three, uh, just because when corn gets to a stage of when it's attractive that's the beauty of it it's really attractive and uh if you don't have a lot of competition for food in your area you're going to have a lot of deer in it so they can go through a cornfield pretty fast but like i said earlier there are a few things that are more attractive than corn come when the when the temperature dips and 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 winter comes or you get snow or whatever it may be so uh, I think corn is a is something you know you could you could have a a part of your food plot strategy, but um, you know for for me it's hard for me to go that direction. Northwest Minnesota has a lot of black bear, and uh, um, they just they just decimate it. So uh, without a lot of corn in the in the area, once once that corn becomes fairly you know basically when you would pick sweet corn, uh, you know the juice and and uh, the milk layer if you want to call it. And uh, that corn is sweet, starts to pack on the starch and sugars. Um, the black bear like it just as much as the deer. So it doesn't work for me, 
uh, but that means it doesn't work for somebody else. Uh, corn's fantastic uh, for attraction wise, uh, but it is going to take some more equipment. You're probably going to have to prepare an nice seed bed. It's going to require nitrogen, so more fertilizer cost, um, and you're probably going to want to put it in with the planter. Now somebody's probably saying, oh, I just broadcast mine and my corn turns out fine. That's a little bit more tricky. You really got to get that seeding, uh, you know, that seeding uh, population perfect. And it's a little bit more critical to have good spacing for corn to turn out better. So I would encourage you to plant it with a planter if you can. Uh, but if it works out for you, keep uh, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, we've, we've had mixed results with corn, you know, like we planted corn in some smaller plots, a little closer to bedding areas. And, you know, like we had close to an acre and it just absolutely got decimated to a point where, you know, you can't even do anything with it. And then we've had food plots where we put it in, in two acre patches and it was awesome. You know, I would say, yep. you know, my favorite corn plot that I have ever put in was kind of a, it was a mixture plot. So it was half of it was corn and half of it was brassicas. And the way we set it up was all the deer were coming from either the East or the South. And our, our point of entry was the North. So basically what we did was we took half of the field on the North side and we put it into corn and then the South side where it was, you know, closer to where we expected them to come in, we, we put into brassicas and that did a couple of things. So first of all, it acted as like a buffer so we could enter and exit that area, you know, and they wouldn't see us. And another thing it did was, you know, it made those deer kind of transition through that brassica plot they wanted to get to the corn where we would see them you know if you put corn right next to the woods then they're going to hop into the corn and they're going to feel super safe but you know you might never see them so yep. and then uh, you know another thing we did with that too is like when it turned into later season we cut a path through that corn and we put a pop-up blind like right on the edge of the corn so then they literally would walk 10 yards in front of that ground blind and you could you could have deer in Nebraska's and you could sneak into that blind and they wouldn't even know you're there. It's just an absolutely lethal setup. Yeah, I like your scenario because you thought about to the beginning of our talk. We thought we you know address the exit or entrance and exit strategy. You just used your food plot. I mean, you thought about how you you know sculpted your food plot, planted the corn specific specifically where you wanted it and uh and use that to your advantage for you know for an exit strategy or an entrance strategy um that's that's spot on Mm -hmm, for sure and you you know it doesn't have to be corn and brassicas it can be soybeans and clover it can be you know basically whatever you want but it's uh, you know if you've if you've got enough acreage in your food plot it's it does make a lot of sense to mix it up and have certain parts of the plot be more preferable to the deer at certain times of year. You know, like if you, if you love early season bow hunting and late season bow hunting, you know, throw some corn and some clover down. Cause they're going to hit the clover early season and then they're going to come for the corn late season. You know, like, like we talked about before, it really just depends on when you want it to be the most effective. Yep. Yep. Coming up with that goal of when do I have time to hunt and you know, when do I want to, you know, have the best success for the investment you're going to make and, 
And uh, yeah, if you're guys like us that like to hunt, you know, from the first day of bow season to the last, well, that needs to go into your strategy. But if you're if you're a person who really only has maybe two weekends during rifle season to hunt, well, that might go into you want you know a certain type of food plot or a certain type of way you want to plan it. Um, so so you can plan for that. Mm-hmm. So bringing this to a hunting application, like what are your thoughts on actually hunting the plot, like sitting on it versus sitting closer to their suspected bedding? And does that change with the time of year? Yeah. Uh, again, it goes to, it, from my perspective, if I'm going to do that, I've got a buck or I've got a target buck that, you know, I'm looking to get right. So, um, you need to be careful uh, with that because obviously you want to keep them guessing or you want them to not know they're being hunted. So um, just starting to hunt close to the bedding area is a little aggressive, you know, start from the outside in would be, would be where I would would say is try get cameras set up um, where you can try catch the steer transitioning, try pattern. And then, um, then you could maybe start on the edge of the field further away in a more conservative location. Um, or watch them via, you know, your cell camera or your camera, uh, and then kind of wait for the right weather conditions and then move in if, if you can get a pattern on, on that specific deer. Um, but yeah, um, earlier in the season, you're probably going to have to hunt closer to the bedding area. If you want to catch them in daylight, uh, it doesn't happen very often. You've got mature bucks stepping into, you know, large egg fields or large food plots before dark. I mean, it happens, don't get me wrong, but uh, it can be one of those things that can be pretty challenging. So I would say start conservative, continue to scout, see uh, see what that deer is doing or, or what the deer are doing, patterning them. And yeah, keep them guessing a little bit. You don't, you don't want to get winded. You know, some of those adult does are just as smart, if not smarter than that big mature buck you're after. And once, uh, once she figures out which tree you're in, uh, you might want to move your stand because uh, she's going to check it every single time she comes into the field. Yes, that is where your management or your bonus tags come in rather handy. <laughs> I mean, a- anybody that's spent a decent amount of time in the woods or done food plots, and uh, you've run into those mature does, and they're, they wreck hunts pretty quickly, and they'll wreck future hunts too, like, I, I've had so many does over the years that like I'll even be hunting a different stand that's maybe like 500 yards away from this food plot and I'll see that doe enter the food plot and stomp around and look at that tree stand. It's like I know something was there and it's it is my mission from this day forward every day to make sure that everyone is educated that there's something up in that tree. <laughs> Oh yeah. That's one of the most frustrating things when you've got the standoff with, you know, that, that adult doe or mature doe that she can see you. She's looking, she's just waiting for you to move and you'll just be locked up for 10, 15 minutes with other deer around you, or maybe downwind of you. She's trying to pick you off. And as you said, that those are good deer to use for your management tags on because they're nothing, nothing going to be problems. You're it's pretty tough. And, when they do pin you or she wins you, man, it'll be, she'll blow for, it's just painful. It's a painful experience. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we both had those. Oh yeah. It's, yep. it's rough. So, um, 
All right. Well, you have any other closing tips or pieces of advice for people before they start their food plot process this year? You know, I guess one other thing I would say is, you know, keep, keep that diversity, uh, you know, deer like, deer like diversity. They don't like just one thing. So when you're looking at your property plan, just look at it from a holistic picture of, of obviously entry and exit, like we talked a bunch about, but more about, you know, you know, try mix it up, have some clovers, have some of those cereal grains like corn and soybeans. Those fall plots are killer like brassicas, um, you know, and don't forget about cereal grains. There's some different different options there too. Uh, and, and sometimes planting a blend, you know, there's some really good blends they sell out there of uh, uh, cereal grains with brassicas. There might be clover in there too. I'm personally trying more of that this year, trying to, you know, plant something that's going to come back in the spring for my deer right away that are, you know, going to be green, like cereal rye and clovers. And then uh, maybe using that and, and then doing another fall plot the next year, letting it grow. So there's lots of different ways you can go with it. And I guess I just encourage everybody to think outside of the box and, and uh, some try some different things and, and uh, you know, wish, wish everybody good luck and have fun with it. All right. Perfect. Well, Thank you for the tips and, and the advice and your time on here talking a little bit of food plot strategy. Perfect. Thanks. Appreciate it. You just heard our conversation with Ryan Fisher on food plots and property management. If you need any seed or minerals or trail cameras or anything like that, make sure to head to your local Shields store or visit us online at shields.com. If you enjoyed this segment, make sure to give us a follow on the listening platform you chose today. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.